Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is November the 3rd, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. It is, uh, you know, Friday. Happy Friday to everyone out there. Hopefully, you know, that you catch the vibes, whether you're listening to this on a Friday or not. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Obviously, you know, I'm a bit more, I don't know, somber, I don't know, just because, you know, worry about the car still, weekend's kind of a bit of a toss-up, I don't know exactly how that's gonna go, but, you know, of course, I'll keep you posted. Uh, I actually, um, in lieu of the situation, I took off, um, Monday and Tuesday, so, you know, got a little off time there, maybe the episodes might hit a little different on your feed those days, we'll see. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really glad that we've made it through this week. It has been uh, filled with highs and lows. Um, I actually got my um, yearly review today. I got the best review I've ever gotten, so that was kind of nice. Uh, I, I it was so weird. It's so funny. I I was so focused on like a trivial part about my review that I almost didn't even care about the money. Uh, mainly because I just look at the money at this point and go, yeah, it's not enough. Like, it just doesn't matter that like, you can pay me at my max pay in my department bracket. You can max me out right now and I still will be broke. So, like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's life right now for me. Uh, so, so I really wasn't so focused on that. But, like, I got a good mark on my attendance, which was something that I was working on this year. So it was nice to just get the, uh, you know, proverbial attaboy for that. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, I am proud of myself. I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, I, I, I made it to my, you know, my review. I'm, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm a mix of emotions. But overall, I'm really good. I'm really happy right now, and uh, I'm stoked for the weekend. Hopefully, you are too. Uh, let's see here. Do I have any food? Ooh, yes, I do have a good food corner. We did whip it up. We chefed up a little bit. I got this. I've been eating um, this like Korean chicken that I've been getting from the store. And it's been very, very yummy. The first one I got was like a spicy chicken. And this one was like a garlic uh, kind of sauce kind of situation. Both are very good. I got to say between the two, I'm a spicy boy. But I will say both are very good. Better, Way better than the P.F. Chang's in the bag I get. I wish they had like a different protein because I would definitely just gobble that up too. <laughs> no, no hesitation. But, um, yeah, that was really yummy. I had that with some white rice and some egg rolls, and it hit the spot. Uh, let's see here. Is there anything else in my, you know, my little world that I want to talk about, gab about, before we get to the news, of course? I don't think so. I think we're good. I think we we made it, made it to the next phase, which is, you know, the startup. So hopefully you're going to, you know, take the startup with me. You know, hopefully I'm not doing this alone. <laughs> and then we'll get into some news. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, man. Ooh. Ooh. Please forgive me. Coughing and burping. Now hiccuping. Oh man, it's real bush league hour right now. Uh, oh well. Okay, from Reuters, Thailand trying to rescue 162 nationals 
as tens of thousands flee Myanmar fighting. Thailand is trying to bring home 162 of its nationals tracked in Myanmar, where tens of thousands of people have been displaced by a surge and clashes between junta groups and ethnic minority insurgents near the border with China, officials said. The effort to rescue ties from chaos, <coughs> excuse me, ties from chaos in neighboring Myanmar comes after at least 30 ties, most of, of them farm workers, were killed during the October 7th rampage by the Hamas militants in southern Israel. 16 Thais were wounded and 17 are among hostages taken by the Palestinian militants. Now, maybe you're like me and you heard that sentence and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We were talking about one thing and now all of a sudden we're back in Israel and, and Palestine. What, what's going on? I, I did that too. I had to look up a couple other sources and apparently, yeah, like, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people moving around, doing stuff work-wise and things like that. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, kind of like a world's collide, a little bit of overlap. And if you're not familiar, you know, you may be a, a new listener. We have talked about Myanmar before. It, you know, there's been a lot going on in that country, a lot of unrest. Essentially, they've been over, been under a military dictatorship of sorts, um, been very brutally oppressed, but there's been like insurgents really fighting and, you know, just really pushing as hard as they can. And I mean, I've covered some stories talking about Aung San Chi, um, the leader of Myanmar who is, you know, imprisoned and, you know, they've been fucking with her shit, you know, for a long time now. But um, yeah, I mean, this was a newer development and essentially, and I think we've also talked about, um, at least in, in certain cases, um, the groups of people who've been like traveling, you know, for work and they think they're going into this kind of situation, and the next thing you know, they're in this building doing like scam calls and and shit like that. Um, big pig butchering, pig butchering. Yeah, that was the phrase that was used. Essentially, you're doing like phone scams and all this kind of shit, trying to get money, but you can't leave. Like you're stuck here trying to do this shit, and like it, you're indebted now to the people you're supposed to come and work with. So these people are stuck in this situation. Currently, it's kind of like um, you know. You got Thailand trying to get their people out. You got China trying to crack down on crime. This is all happening at their borders and shit. So they're like, okay, we got to make sure our people are good. We want y'all to do a ceasefire. So shit's really ratcheting up. But in terms of just the insurgents fighting, um, just something I've kind of been hearing that um, they actually, it's seemingly make, maybe they're making some progress. I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being hopeful there. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. But it does seem like um, the military junta is saying like, oh, We've kind of been rounded down to the point where we have to, like, lean on our airstrikes. We have to lean on our actual firepower against these insurgents to stop them. So, I mean, that is a big sign um, because, you I mean, that's a limited resource just as, like, just like manpower is. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that that's a good report and maybe we'll see more change and, you know, maybe some, you know, real actual, you know, reform and push, you know, this military junta out some shit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being way too optimistic with that thought and theory, but it's just been so sad and depressing to like, you know, listen to some of these stories, even cover some of them. Um, obviously this one is, you know, adding it onto the pile. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that, that in and of itself is big news. I do hope that hopefully tensions ratchet down and hopefully people can get home. You know what I mean? Not just in this situation. Um, you know, 
right here in this article, but also, you know, talking about, you know, the people who are, you know, currently hostages as well. And, um, you know, um, Gaza. So, yeah, I mean, I was really surprised by that Gaza part. I was just like, wait a second, something's wrong here. And like, no, sure enough, that's what it is. Um, oh, I'll read my little highlighted part here. In a joint statement, the Three Brotherhood Alliance, which is the, um, a, the you know, insurgency group, uh, said the assault was intended to overthrow dictor- dictatorial rule in Myanmar and target criminal gangs running telecom scams they said were protected by the junta. So essentially, the junta is overseeing this because they're obviously getting a cut and running it. And, um, you know, so that's how they're involved. But then naturally, there's fighting is going on while these people are trapped in, you know, in this area. So, um, you know, hopefully, like I said, people can get out and get home for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and move along. Got our update there. Uh, I guess, you know, in a way we we're still talking about, you know, the conflict going on in Israel and Palestine right now. Um, only we're talking about it from the perspective of the house. Also, okay. I gotta, I gotta confess. I, I don't know, man, this Mike Johnson, hobo Mike Johnson, bro. He got a little hold on me. I don't even know. I just, I keep wanting to learn more about this guy. So here's just a couple of fun facts I've been kind of scrounging for learning about whatever. Uh, number one, biggest thing for me that just made me see red immediately. He is a Christian podcaster. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, you're telling me this guy is already in my lane, already doing better than me, him and his, and his wife are, you know, they do a little Christian podcast, you know, they're over here fucking doing it for Jesus. And that's a thing. So that's one factoid for you Two, He doesn't have any like bank records like on record at least, um, which you're supposed to have. But the reason is, is that he doesn't have one to show. Like apparently if you have a bank account so low, you don't have to report it. I think it's like under $5,000 or something like that. Maybe 2000, you know, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, whatever. But, um, so there's that. I thought that was weird. Thought that was a little concerning. Um, maybe interesting, whatever. I don't know. Uh, the last fun fact I have here is that he has a black adopted son and, uh, that struck a chord with me in a way that was like, well, that's kind of weirdly relatable being that, like, you know, I'm an adopted black son, had a white father. So that was like, okay, mm, all right, well, let me read a little more. Um, apparently with that, um, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. It seems more or less on a level. It doesn't, I don't think I'm giving you blindside here. Uh, you know, where they were just like, it's a conservatorship, actually. Um, it seems like they, they didn't have kids at the time. They adopted him. Um, he was going through a lot and seemed like, you know, even after the fact, after they adopted him, he, you know, still had some, you know, issues, things like that. But, um, definitely interesting dynamic. I initially almost thought like, oh, like you're using your little black token adopted son for points. And I do think he is, but also like he respects his son's wishes. Like, I think it got to a certain point where he's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to be involved in any of this new shit you're doing. Like now you're about to be speaker, all that shit. Don't man. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. So he has his own life. He's doing his own thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, this Kroger brand, Steve Carell, he's doing a lot right now. He's he's a guy. He's a force. And um, we're, we're about to talk more about Hobo Mike and his house. Um, but yeah, uh, from USA Today, sorry. Uh, Mike Johnson, House Republicans, passed Israel aid bill, setting up clash with Schumer, McConnell, and Biden. Weird to see those names in concert together, like in unison, standing strong, old white men together. <laughs> Um, 
let's see here. The House of Representatives approved more than $14 billion, with a B, in Israel aid Thursday afternoon, setting up House Speaker Mike Johnson's first major legislative clash with Senate and the White House. The bill, titled Israel Security Supplemental Appropriations Act, cleared the lower chamber by a vote of 226 to 196, with most Republicans voting for their legislation and Democrats voting against it. Uh, two Republicans defected and voted against the bill, while 12 Democrats voted for it. Uh, let's see. Aid to Israel, a close U.S. ally, as it fights a war against Hamas militants, psh, yeah, and the, the AKA just blowing up civilians, uh, has garnered widespread bipartisan support. But Johnson's proposal for standalone Israel funding has drawn considerable backlash from Democratic-controlled Senate and the White House. So yeah, essentially the play was what Biden wanted, what Dems want, is they wanted a group bill that was going to fund Israel, fund Ukraine, and also do border security. They are like, we can do this all in one bill. That's what we want. And Johnson said, ew, that's gross. I don't like that. That's not fiscally responsible. So what he wanted was just a standalone bill for Israel, which he said was the most pertinent thing. You know, they're just getting into this conflict. We got to support our ally. Oh, we got to give them as much lethal aid as possible. <laughs> so th that's the vibe. But he, like he said, fiscally responsible, Mike, you know. Uh, he wanted it to be balanced out. So he said, okay, you're going to cut from the IRS thing that we, we talked about, you know, that was supposed to be a big part of, you know, old Joe, he was supposed to be doing his thing, being, being, you know, good and getting us uh, all right and settled. This IRS thing was supposed to help us out. He's supposed to give more money into the IRS. And he's in Johnson saying, Hey, I'm going to cut some of that to fund this. Um, so yeah, not, not too many Democrats like that, but there were some Democrats that are like, no, you know what? Israel needs this lethal aid. They need it so fucking bad. We got to give it to them right now. I got a hashtag stand with Israel right here, right now, right now, right now. And um, so, they, you know, they wanted it. But there were a couple of Republicans even that said, mm, I don't know. I don't like this. This doesn't feel that fiscally responsible to me. Um, so I was personally surprised to see this kind of division. I, you know, just running through my Twitter, it just seemed like so many motherfuckers are just ready to just give them this. Now, granted, I think their reasonings are bad. Like, they're mad about this because you're cutting into Biden's fucking shit. You're stepping on Biden's toes. Not because of the actual moral fucking ramifications of us just, like, funding a fucking genocide. You know what I mean? When we could be, I don't know, investing that in our homeless problem. Investing that in actual infrastructure. All that kind of fucking shit that Dark Joe was fucking talking about with goddamn aviators on. Uh, but no, it's not about that. It's not about that. Um, you know. So we're still beefing, but in my opinion, it's for all the wrong reasons. Uh, like I said, Chuck Schumer, he says when this shit gets to the Senate, he's gonna rework it. He's gonna put his thing down, flip it, and reverse it. And, um, you know, we're gonna, I guess, go from there. Joe Biden has said that if it did make it to his table, he would actually veto it. So these are all things, once again, I was surprised, like, these guys had blood around the rims of their mouths over this fucking shit, like, ready to give Israel all this fucking money, and, uh, you know, eh, not quite, we gotta play some politics still. So, yeah, that's interesting, and, you know, meanwhile, Ukraine's like, we need the money, <laughs> they're not getting it, um, you know, apparently the borders, ah, they're wide open. <laughs> Like, in a way, I guess this is, like, a good thing. Um, 
also I, I before I went on, um, I saw that the people were protesting um, aid that was going to go to Israel, like you know, via some ship aid or whatever. So I was like, yeah, fucking rah rah that shit, hell yeah, you know, keep fighting that fight, keep fucking doing the best we can to say, yo, we are not with this, we do not fucking support this shit, not with our fucking money. You know what I mean? Fuck it, goddamn. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, Johnson has said, Hey, I'm going to fight this. This is, this is how I view it. We, we got to do it this way. And, um, I'm curious to see how things are going to go. Um, yeah. So that, that's where we stand with the house and, uh, you know, the bills so far. Um, but yeah, speaking of bills, we can talk about, well, I guess we're not really talking about dollar dollar bills. I was going to make that kind of joke, but we got to talk about crypto well, I guess we got to talk about uh, Scam Bakeman Fraud, actually. So let's go ahead and get into that. From ABC News, Sam Bakeman Fried, 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 <laughs> Sam Bakeman Fried, Freed, well, however you pronounce his name, Sam Bakeman Freed found guilty in federal fraud and conspiracy trial, could face 110 years in prison. Our quirked up shoddy's about to go down, y'all. It happened. Okay. So... I didn't give you guys any um, play-by-play on the trial. I will say, though, it did wrap up a lot faster than I expected. Um, I know if you go on, what is it, Wall Street Journal has a podcast, and they did like a little side podcast they put in the podcast, uh, just covering the whole trial, at least like week by week. Um, Excuse me. But a jury has found FTX founder Sam Bakeman-Fried Guilty on all charges in his federal fraud and conspiracy trial. Let's see here. The jury deliberated for little over four hours before reaching a verdict on Thursday, which everyone was like very surprised. Like I was listening and uh, Judge Kaplan was like, hey, look, like I know that this shit can be really confusing. You got questions. That's fine. If you guys want to go long even today, that's fine too. I insist that you do. I will make sure you guys get pizza on the government's dime. Just take your time. Work it out. It's okay. But they're like, yo, we'll take the pizza, but uh, we just kind of need some post-it notes, some highlighters. Let's just ask a couple of questions, and we're good to go. The, this this motherfucker guilty. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, my guy for all his shit, um, also fun fact, Sam Bingman Fried, Freed, he uh, once, there's a quote of him, I think he was talking to Caroline Edison, his uh, former girlfriend, then turned, um, you know, uh, what is it, a uh, conspirator against him? I mean, she winds up testifying against him, but whatever. But um, I think he was telling her, he said he thought at one point he had a 5% chance to become president. And uh, now this guy is going to be uh, going to jail for potentially a long time. Uh, I wonder even potentially. He's going to jail for a very long time. There's no potential about it. I mean, uh, it is good. His lawyer team said they're going to fight it. They're going to appeal. Gotta, gotta, gotta. But I mean, it, it it did seem pretty fitting. It's it seemed pretty like donezo. Like I don't I don't think my guy's getting out of this shit at all. <laughs> he ain't beating no case. Uh, let's see here. Um. Also, it's it's noted, too, that he got a weird haircut um, at the start of the trial. Um, but, man, let me, let me just keep talking about it. Uh, SBF was charged with seven counts of fraud, conspiracy, and money laundering in what federal prosecutors have described one of the biggest uh, financial frauds in American history. Yeah, I mean, he's out there with Bernie fucking Madoff. 
he was accused of using customer deposits on a crypto trading platform, FTX. You might remember it if you've been like watching Super Bowl, seeing like random ass commercials with a bunch of motherfuckers on there. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, this guy was like using like customer like funds and um, jet setting, and his private jet even would like use his private jet to get like Amazon packages sent to him in the Bahamas so that he could get that shit fucking pronto. He wasn't trying to play no goddamn games with customer money. Um, he is, um, he more or less used his, uh, associates to kind of set the shit up. Um, though his defense was, oh, it was my lawyers. Oh, it was my team. They actually like just led me astray. And I was the CEO here and I didn't really even fully understand what was happening. But the fucking problem was like someone like SBF just could not help himself along the way to just keep fucking talking like even when he was like you know under arrest like you know or like the shit was like hitting the fan and people were like you know coming to him like bro are you running a scheme are you running a scam right now he would just keep talking he would just like do like twitter spaces all the shit and essentially the prosecution just used it against him and not to mention this motherfucker was like bold enough to say oh i'm gonna take the stand uh, I mean, granted, I guess he was trying to defuse against the three others that testified against him. I know I mentioned Caroline Edison. Uh, I believe it's Gary Wong or Wang that also testified against him, as well as uh, Naraj Singh. They were all, you know, a part of FTX, you know, big members. Uh, Caroline Edison was a part and ran uh, Alameda Research Group, group they started together, essentially winds up becoming like a backdoor for FTX and the funds, they make it so that um, I believe FT FTX or whatever Alameda Research Group, I might be getting confused, could go into the negative, and that's not a good thing. Like if you're a customer and you went into the negative, they would just like block your account. You couldn't do anything. Like they would stop you from doing that. Like that's not a thing. But for him, like for FTX, they could, and like that's not okay. That's not right. Um, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, with the testimony of those three people, essentially they painted the picture of like, no, like not only like, did he know he was right there with us? He was facilitating this and he would like, you know, yeah, he didn't know how to set up the code for it, but he knew that it was happening. And then when people confronted him about it, he was just like, oh no, it's okay. It's fine. We'll fix this. Like we'll have enough money to pay it off. We'll, we'll, we'll hit balance. We'll be okay. But nope, they never were. And, you know, then they went into fucking bankruptcy and, you know, then he fucking got arrested all the while. He's like, oh, no, we can fix this. We can fix this. We can fix this. And nope, we couldn't fix this, dog. <laughs> and um, now he's facing up to 100 plus years in prison. Um, I, I was definitely shocked to hear that that was the amount of time he's facing. Essentially, yeah, a lifetime sentence at the very least. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Also, this isn't it for him uh i think there's more case like there's more trial um down the road like another trial coming up for him so yeah i mean we'll see um he was like didn't show too much emotion i know his parents who he also scammed by the way they also were involved in in this fraud in a way like like they they, they put in money for this shit and didn't get anything back um or at least did not get i shouldn't say anything they they did benefit off of this let's not you know Let's not, you know, get the violin out for him. But they they also got scammed too. <laughs> he scammed his own parents. 
fucking wild. But they were sad, you know, see him go. And I, you know, I think he was a little bummed about that. But um, yeah, they got him, bro. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm happy to kind of put a put a bow on this shit. Um, I can't say I'm surprised that he was found guilty, but I will say I was definitely surprised that it just happened so fast. Like. Even at the end of this shit, I thought it was going to take at least another week or so to kind of go um, through this process. But no, the jury didn't hesitate. They were, he guilty. <laughs> That's it. <sighs> so it ends like that. Okay, we have, um, oh, and also his sentencing is not going to be till March of 2024, I believe. So we won't know what the sentencing is going to be till then. So we'll, you know, we'll put a pin in it till, till we get there, I guess. Or whenever the next trial is. I don't remember. The, I didn't hear a date or anything. So yeah, that's it. We have one more thing to go. And then I'll let you go. Uh, you know what that means. I'm going to take my little break. Ah, let me stretch first. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Okie dokie. Uh, keeping it digital from Reuters, Boeing says cyber incident hit parts uh hit parts business after ransom threat. Fun title. Um, Boeing, one of the world's largest defense and space contractors, said on Wednesday it was investigating a cyber incident that impacted elements of its parts and distri distribution business and cooperating with law enforcement probe into it. Boeing acknowledged the incident days after the Lockbit cybercrime gang said on Friday it had stolen a Tremendous amount of sensitive data from the U.S. plane maker that it would dump online if Boeing didn't pay ransom by November 2nd. So November 2nd has come and gone. As of Wednesday, they took down that message on their their uh, website. Um, it's the, Boeing hasn't uh, hasn't commented on whether um, even Lockbit was involved. So you know they haven't said if they paid or not. Um, I know they reference it in this article, but I've mentioned it on my podcast as well, that um, there are definitely times where, you know, companies, businesses, organizations do wind up cooperating because they want to just get back to work. Sometimes it's the kind of uh, ransom or malware that will jam up your whole system until you pay. Um, I think it's in this situation that they just took a bunch of data and said, hey, we will leak this data if you don't pay us. But in the situation, if you pay them, you're just kind of like doing a little bit of a handshake saying, okay, yeah, you're going to delete it. And they're like, yeah, we'll totally fucking delete it. And they just fucking double dip and sell the information anyway. Um, so you never know. Uh, we might actually never get to the bottom of what exactly happens here. Um, you know, sometimes you wind up like seeing the information actually hit online and then you know, okay, that's that's kind of what happened. But um it seems that Boeing is still operating, and they said that they're fine, and they're fine. But and they also said they notified notified the necessary parties. You know they needed to. So, you know, 
probably not going to get any justice on this or anything like that. But still, you know, I love covering a good uh, cybercrime. It's one of my little tasty treats for myself. So I figured, hey, let's just let's just uh, end on this kind of note. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can get the details from Reuters if you like, but uh, I'll wrap it up there. Uh, let's see here. I do have a Patreon. If you'd like to support the effort, become a newsy today. I shout you out at the top of the month. Plug a project if you'd like. Also, free ways to hit me up, IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. And then also I'm on all the socials. You can find me there. Uh, also, please subscribe to the YouTube. Helps out a lot. Hopefully you liked and subscribed, did all that fun stuff. And if you're listening on another app, service, whatever, you know, Hit the comments, uh, hit the stars, all those cool things. means a lot. helps out a lot. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's the episode. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being a friend. And hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.